Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And now, here is your host, the lovely, delightful, insightful, and all-around great gal, Ms. Barbara DeLong. <laughs> well, I have Ken Quiethawk to thank for that amazing intro. And if you want to hear more of his voice, he's at um, nativestorytellers.com. He is an amazing man and has kept the Native traditions alive and well on videos and, and all sorts of stuff. And he has a remarkable voice, um, one that is hard to find a, a, you know, a replacement for. So I pulled him out of retirement to get him to do the intro for the show. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. I'm so glad you're sharing your time with us. Uh, tonight's a, a really exciting time. Tonight we have Frank DeMarco with us as a guest, and he is um, an amazing man. He was co-founder and for many years chief editor of Hampton Roads Publishing Company. Since 1992, he has been a participant in 10 TMI programs, and he's been reporting on his conversations in magazine articles, talks, and in a dozen nonfiction books to novels. His previous conversations with Rita Warren were published by Rainbow Ridge Books as Rita's World and Rita's World, Volume 2. He's the author of nine books rooted in 25 years of psychic exploration. Since 2005, he has been actively engaged in an ongoing series of conversations with various non-physical beings, that's people who are not here, including historical individuals, past lives, aspects of personal guidance, and a generalized group he likes to call the guys upstairs. And I call them the same thing, which I think is really kind of cool. His work has been discussed in numerous books, hundreds of blog entries, occasional public appearances, Facebook, and now, of course, Nightlight. Tonight, we're going to focus uh, for a while on his book, Awakening from the 3D World, How We Enter the Next Life, um, and other things, many, many other things. He can be contacted at muddytracks at earthlink.net, on Facebook as Frank DeMarco, or at his website, www.ofmyownknowledge.com. This is going to be a fun night, guys. 
So, welcome to the show, Frank. I'm so glad you could make it tonight. Well, thank you, Barbara. That was quite an intro. Well, you have an amazing comesvitis, let me tell you. Well, you know, I think uh, everybody's life looks more interesting to everybody else than it does to themselves. (laughs) That's true, it's true I don't think we go through life Thinking this will look good on a resume And doing things (laughs) No It's just sort of, you know I I know that that Lots of people have trouble writing their their own uh, Bios, so oftentimes I'll write it for them Because they just don't realize How much they actually have accomplished and done and achieved until somebody else's perspective is in there with them. Yeah, that's that's very true. When I used to edit people's books, I could see that they were in the the inside of it and they just took it for granted. And we're going, wow, did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's really funny. At some point, long time ago, when I wanted to put a website up. I, a friend of mine was doing websites, and I, I said, well, you're slow now because you're just beginning. How about doing a website for me? This goes back like over 10 years. And she said, sure, they'd be happy to. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And, and I finally said to her, where's the website? And she said, you need to write it. And that was startling to me. And I said, I have no idea how to do that. And she said, why don't you start with a bio? And I had several bios that I had used in in lots of different places, and and after trying to weave them together, I I realized that it was awful, and so I gave them to her, and I said, you write beautifully. Here's all the material. You do it for me, and she was a good friend, so she spent a long time putting it together, and when she sent me, you know, her idea of a biography, I read it, and it was technically beautifully done. However, I would not have bought a used car from me for anything in the world. <laughs> it was just, it was like, where's my life? Where's my light? Where's my spontaneity? Where? And, and so I learned from that that if it's going to represent you, it has to be in your voice and you have to find your voice. Sure, and, sure. and sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of like photographs, too. Um, I went to have a picture taken for, for the website and everything because, you know, I usually used, I I had usually used a logo and people said, no, you have to put your face to it. And I kept saying, cameras don't like me. And, um, I went and had my photograph. Somebody recommended these people and I went and they took, they posed me and they whatever, and they took lots of pictures. And I said, I must warn you that, that cameras don't like me. And, and when we looked at all of the pictures, the the one of them said you're right what's missing and i said spontaneity sparkle if i'm a very animated person and you're you're making me sit still and they said well why don't you just kind of play around and we played around and we got some of the best pictures i've ever seen of me so for the rest of my life i will be using those pictures i will be 90 years old and you will see a picture that was taken when i was like 68 and you know it's just it's it's a matter of understanding that everybody has a vibrant energy and there's a way of presenting it and sometimes formal isn't good for everyone. One thing I've noticed too is it helps people immensely if they get recognition at some point in their life from somebody they really respect and it can just make all the difference in the world. They they start seeing themselves differently. Oh, Without absolutely. That 
Well, it is, but you know, it's embarrassing too when you're doing creative work. You you're thrilled with it. You've created it. It's your baby, but you don't know what the response is going to be to it. And I mean, you've you've got a plethora. You've got a page on Amazon. Now that's impressive. Well, I have three. I actually I have four novels that I've written, but um, the total readership of the all four doesn't probably come to a thousand people. But you can't you can't really <laughs> think about that when you're writing. You have to write it for yourself, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you 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 bring up a really really good point, and that's that's that most creativity is done as self-expression and not necessarily expected to, you know, get accolades from the masses. It's not bad if you do, but, you know, it's that's, the that's right. It is being... bad if you do, but fortunately there's no formula. And that's another thing I learned in publishing, you know. If there were a formula, everybody would be following the formula and we would just be, you know, awash in, in garbage. But <laughs> nobody can really tell you what is going to succeed and what isn't. Um, you just have to... You, you do the best you can, and you hope that it'll help somebody. I think if it'll help somebody, that's probably your best indicator, or at least if you're hoping that it will. Oh yeah, no. I if you touch just one person and change their lives, you've 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 done your your job. Your job is done. Um, as as far as I'm concerned, you know, if if one person don't tell is that to touched my publisher, by... he'll my publisher will be very <laughs> discouraged. <laughs> well, well, I understand that, and and you know, I. Your your way of writing is is it flows so beautifully that it is and it's an easy read, and yet you have to go back to pick up the nuances and stuff like that. But um, I I thoroughly enjoyed the book that I did read. But before we get into that, um, I want you to give people a little bit of an idea. Nobody nobody explodes on the market with a book talking to people who are on the other side, there's a process you went through to get to where you are today and you didn't do it intentionally. You may need more than a two hour show for this, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't, we don't have to start with you were born in a log cabin, but, but unless you were, I, I don't think you were, but, but yes. So let's take it from, from after the, Let's take it from from where you were interested in the Monroe Institute and you started to do work there. I think that's a pretty good start. The other start would be the Shirley MacLaine workshop in 87 because I was there at the very first one in Virginia Beach, and that started a lot of consequences, including that's when I met Bob Friedman, and he and I later formed Hampton Roads Publishing together. But um, in that Shirley MacLaine workshop, she, she was just a show business professional, and she knew how to use all the tools, the guided meditation, the music, you know, the whole thing. And so she tried to set out to have us meet our higher self. That's what they were mm-hmm. called, the higher self seminar. Well, I had had an anomalous experience that brought me there, which I won't go into because it would take longer, but it was really kind of a minor league miracle. So I was there in a state, state of expectation, but at the same time I was, you know, I was a – a journalist, I was sort of skeptical at the same time. I was hopeful and skeptical together. But lo and behold, one of her exercises, there's, uh, I, I cross a river and there's a representation of my higher self as a unicorn. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Because I knew I didn't make it up. 
and I also knew it was a perfect symbol, and it explained a lot of things between my father and myself. My father could be described as a horse, a racehorse or a workhorse, and I, I could see that my father had always thought of me as a horse who thought he was a unicorn. And so he, he was always trying to bring me down to earth, you see. But anyway, so one thing led to another. And in 92, I did the Gateway Voyage at, at Monroe. And Bob and I did that together, in fact, Bob Friedman and I. And um, it's a five-day residential course where they use audio technology to bring you into altered states. And then you do with that what you can. They, they can't, you know, they can't dictate where you're going to go with it but they can bring mm-hmm. you into an altered state two or three times in the same hour. And at that time, then you learn how to get there by demand, you see. Once, once you know what it feels like, you can go back there. Well, um, I had been talking to what I called the guys upstairs for a while already uh, by means of a journal. I've been keeping a journal since I was 20 years old, and that's a very uh, comfortable thing for me. So I would sit down and I would get in a receptive state and I would ask a question or I would say, okay, I'm here. You got anything to talk to me about, you know, sometimes they wouldn't, sometimes they wouldn't. And I'd go off and do other things. Well, after, after the Monroe's experience, the first couple of programs I did, it really, it bumped it up quite a bit. And I began to be able to get information on things that I didn't know otherwise. And I want to say that, the guys upstairs was an accidental piece of good fortune because I, I heard you say that you call them that yourself. The only other person I knew was a very talented psychic, and she used to call them the guys upstairs, but I later realized she had met very specific individuals. There were three or four individuals that she would talk to, but I missed that when she told me that, and so I was just thinking of the guys upstairs as this undefined collective consciousness. Which uh-huh. actually is very good because it gets you away from definitions and you don't have to, you know, be sure that people stay in character and things, you know. And mm-hmm. it, it, it sounds like you do it the same way. It was really yeah, they very don't, important. Yeah, they don't have names, you know, it's just, and the number seems to change from time to time depending on how, yeah. you know, how much trouble I'm going to cause. <laughs> yes, and in fact, they've told us that. They often they will come in and out in the same conversation, and we won't even know the difference. They said right. sometimes the person who finishes a sentence isn't even the one who started a sentence because it's not as, as individual on the other side as it is here. Uh, there's not that, that, that kind of barrier. So uh, it's interesting to me that you're familiar with that because not a lot of people seem to be. Or maybe I just don't run in the same circles. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know of anybody else. That's why I was so amazed because it was like that's what I've been calling them for years. Well, as you know, and and presumably a lot of your listeners know, the difference between somebody in the body and somebody out of the body is less than we sometimes think it is. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to be special to talk to them, and you're not some worm talking to some demigod. It's just the same as it is on Earth. You're talking people to people. At least that's my experience of it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. There was a woman named Rita Warren. And Rita had been a Ph.D. psychologist, and she was for about four years the head of the research laboratory at the Monroe Institute. She had taken early retirement from her academic career because she had done a gateway herself, and it had blown her away. Now, Rita was about, uh, well, let's see, she was uh, 26 years older than I am. So by the time I met her, she was already 80. 
and she and her husband, I, I met them both, and I was, I was thinking about interviewing them about the early days of the Monroe Institute, but it didn't work out. But then her husband died just a few months later, and the only, this is the only time this has ever happened to me. I sat down with my journal, and I thought I would maybe talk to the guys, and instead Martin came in, and he said, Frank, I want you to take care of Rita. I know you'll want to do it, and it won't be long anyway. So I thought, huh, okay. So Rita and I got in the habit of having supper together in uh, the county seat, because uh, this is in Nelson County, which is pretty rural. And mm-hmm. there, there was one restaurant. We had we had supper together on Saturday night at that same restaurant for years. I told her they were going to retire our forks, you know, when we finished with it. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened is, here's a woman who is old enough to be my mother, literally, and she's interested in the same things, has the same kind of... Uh, uh, anomalous experiences but she is a a trained academic where I was a journalist and I had done other things as well and she had all these questions and she had all this experience of being a monitor of people who were in the box uh, you know experiencing their own experiences and she was sort of guiding them along Mm -hmm. well in all of those years of doing that it was about four years she did that after she uh, quit um, teaching and then she re-retired after four years but in that time, she asked a lot of people questions and couldn't get answers that were any good. Uh, she would say, what's it like on the other side? And they would have, say things like, well, it's hard to explain. Uh, there's no problems. You'll know when you get here. <laughs> you know, yeah. just leaving her totally frustrated because she wanted something to chew on. She was an intellectual. Sure. Well, for, for some reason, she and I sat down. Well, all right, I've got to try and keep this short. For whatever reason, she and I decided to try sessions together. So I would come home from work, and I'd have supper, and I would go to her house, and I would lie down on the couch or lie down on the guest bed, and I would go into an altered state, and she would ask questions. Because she had all these long list of questions, you know, over the years that she wanted to know. Yeah. And the, for some reason, the answers would come come through for me. Now, I was not in a trance. I don't do trance channeling. But I was in what I call ILC, which is Intuitive Linked Communication, which is a mm-hmm. name the guys themselves gave to the process. So my mind is actively there. And at the same time, though, it's not really my thoughts so much as I'm just speaking whatever comes to mind. And at one point I said to Rita, you know, you're asking me these questions, and I'm answering all these things very fluently, but I don't have any idea. I said, I just feel like I'm lying here being a know-it-all. And she said, that's practically a definition of being a psychic <laughs> or <going> intuitive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what happened is we did a session a week for about five months. A lot of a lot of information. We did a session on the on September eleventh, two thousand one, in fact, because it happened to be a Tuesday and Tuesdays are when we did our sessions. But what's what's interesting about this is as we discovered, the better the questions, the better the answers. Now, the guys had told us that, but Rita really put it into play because they would give her an answer on something, and she would think about it, and she'd say, well, that seems to contradict what you said three weeks ago when you said blah, blah, blah. And I always laughed, and I would say I could hear them arranging their cover story. But what would happen <laughs> is there would be a pause, and they'd say, well, yes, we can see why it looks that way to you, but you have to understand. And then they would back up and show you two different ways of looking at the same thing or show you that the same thing could be seen in two different relationships you know so what my point is her questions were so superb the information just got better and better and better 
So we did that for, I think, 22 sessions. And then, you know, life went on. We did other things. Rita died 10 years ago in March of 2008. And in that same year, I put out a transcript of our sessions. And that was a big book that we called The Sphere and the Hologram. In fact, I self-published that because I didn't think anybody was going to do it. And I thought, well, I want to have at least a record there. I oh, talked yeah. to the guy. I talked to the guys about it, and they said, well, you have two choices. Because I was saying, you know, if I put this out, it might not be able to sell. I might not get my money back. They said, well, you can either have the material on your shelf, and when you die, nobody will be able to do anything with it, or you can put it out in book form and then <laughs> see what happens. So I said, okay. You know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I, I, I can feel a two-by-four when it hits the back of my head. Uh-huh. And then the rest of it went on from there, you know. Uh, I don't I don't want to go through all the his runs and errors, I did other books as well, but in December of 19, uh, <laughs> December of 2014, Rita came to me in a dream and basically said, okay, it's time to go work again. So I sat down the next morning and we started, and we talked. In other words, I wrote in my journal as she came through. Mm-hmm. We had conversations for six months, and that uh, Bob Friedman immediately said he would publish that, but he put it in two books rather than one because it was just so much material, you know. So that's mm-hmm. Rita, book, Rita World 1 and 2. This book, um, Awakening from the 3D World, followed that, and then there's another book that will come out next month, uh, which is being called It's All One World, which will follow that, and then there are four more manuscripts besides that are not Rita's, that are other guys coming in, so keep it Yeah, I, 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 you know, your, your conversations with Hemingway fascinates me, so I'm going to have to get you back on to talk about that one, but okay. I think... One of the, and of course your next book, but I think one of the things that, that, that I have found in, in your writing and in a lot of the interviews that you did on YouTube, and there are a lot of them, guys, check them out. Um, I is hire that, you to do my you, PR. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll do my best. Um, is, is the fact that you say the same thing that I have said a gazillion times to people, anybody can do this if you work hard enough. I call yes, it, you, you call you it, to. yeah, you call it intuitive link conversation. I call it clicking in. And mm-hmm. for, for me, it is almost, um, it's, it's a click in. It's, I suddenly have inspirational magic at my fingertips and everything flows and and it's it's like getting yourself in a state of consciousness to receive as telling your ego to go out to lunch. Well, and, I do it for, a little differently, but I, I know where you're going with that. I don't exactly tell my ego to go out to lunch. I just say, this is not really about me. It's about us. Yeah. And, and that, that sort of works the same way in practice. Yeah, it, yes, absolutely. It is. It's just two different perspectives. It's the same kind of a thing. And and I've been in this field for now over 50 years, and it has been a process never aiming at channeling but getting there without aiming at it. I, I don't know. You know, there are workshops that, you know, say, well, I can teach you to channel, and I, you know, I, I don't think for me, that's not appropriate. I think people get to a point in their life where they are comfortable in bringing information through, and it happens naturally. But you have to work at it. You know, it's not you know, something you can... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Me. No, you, you well, can't I, take a class and get a certificate. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I have taught workshops where in one weekend I could teach people and did how to – it isn't so much that I teach them how to communicate. is that I demonstrate to them that they're already communicating but not recognizing it because our okay. society in its own stupidity it, it brings you to where the point when you're getting in really good communication, you're tempted to say, well, I'm probably just making this up, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, so in in one weekend, and in fact, I've done it in as little as three hours, the major thing that I do is show them that by asking the wrong questions, you're crippling yourself. And if you stop asking these questions, which can't be answered, and you answer different, ask different questions instead, boom, you're already doing it. The oh, questions yeah. are things like, like, am I just making this up? Well, how are you going to answer that? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. How do I know the material is right? How do I know that it's real? How do I know that it's true? How do I know that the person on the other end is real? All of those questions. Those are useless questions because they can't be answered. But what the question that can be answered is, does this material resonate with me right now? And if it does, go with it. And if it stops resonating, then change your mind. There's nothing, no harm in changing your mind. But if it resonates, go with it. You wouldn't believe how freeing that is to people. To all of a sudden realize, yes, I have been getting this material, and there's no way to prove that it's Hemingway. There's no way to prove that it's anything. On the other hand, the material itself makes sense to me and is helpful. Well, what do you want? A certificate from God? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I often say God doesn't send um, telegrams anymore. I, <laughs> I know when <clears throat> when I was working on a deck of cards that I – uh, created, I they're Mandela cards. They're or it's an oracle deck. I can remember one night walking the dog and talking to the guys upstairs, and and um, this gets a little unspiritual, but um, I was walking the dog, and it was three in the morning, and I could hear the the rigging clanking in the in the boatyards that were just down the street, and I was talking to the guys, and I said, you know, I kind of need some sort of um, confirmation because I don't want to be on this amazing ego trip and do something that is going to be embarrassing to me. Right. right. Um, and, and I said, so, so I tell you what, a simple sign, burning bush, clap of thunder, lightning striking, anything that, that, you know, subtle like that. <laughs> that could tell me that, that I'm, I'm at least on the right path that I'm not, on an ego trip. And, and I waited and I looked at the dog and I said, I think the guys think that, that I'm kidding. And I said, I'm serious. If I don't get a sign of some sort that tells me I'm on the right path, I am going to stop all this because it's taking up an inordinate amount of time, which I'm having a wonderful time at, but I don't want to create something that, that doesn't have a gift for humanity in some way, shape or form. And we waited a couple more minutes and the dog looked at me, and I looked at the dog, and I said, well, if we don't get a sign soon, then I'm going to go home and go to bed. And now I lived right by the water. Birds don't fly at night. A seagull flew over and left a deposit on my head. <laughs> and I yes. looked upwards, and I said, you guys, it didn't have to be that overt. And all I heard was laughter, and I went back in, and I took a shower, and I washed my hair, and I got back to work. But This, this is the cosmic two-by-four, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, and it was like, okay, 
I'll, I'll take that as a keep going. <laughs> and I did. But, now, but it here's, is. Here's the thing that's really strange. It, that that was an omen. That was a sign to you, and you took it. And yeah. in the old days, in the Roman days especially, they did everything with omens. Even their armies on the march, you know, they would look for omens to see whether were they doing the right thing or not. Today, in our society, the magic word is coincidence. It's meaningless. It's the whole world is nothing but chance. And and so all of that has been just overlooked, not overlooked. It's been denied. And so people are without anything to do. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, it, I I talk so much about symbols and signs and how we get them all the time. And it's important to to not only validate them by writing it down and saying, I got this sign. I don't know what it means, but I got this sign and I'm going to, you know, sit with it. I, I tell people that if you write it down and revisit it every now and then, you will unco- uncover layer after layer after layer of meaning that might not but, have been there initially. That's right, but you have to be awake to it. Now, I, yeah. have a theory, I have a theory about this, and I don't know if it's true, but it seems true to me. And that's that there is only one reality. Uh, we tend to think there is the world, which is external, and there is our own inner life, which is dreams and things like that. I don't think that's what it is. I think there's one reality, and we experience the outside world through our senses, and we experience the inner end of the outside world through our intuitions or our dreams or our altered states. And so they look like two different things. But if they are the same thing seen differently, don't omens make perfect sense? Don't all these things that they're writing off as coincidences, and you're going, well, of course. It's just but isn't that, isn't that our, our higher consciousness, our spirit, whatever you want to call it, isn't it that part of us trying to give us signs or, or indications of directions to go, things to think about, things to consider? I mean, I, in many ways, I believe that our higher consciousness, the spirit within, is our own spirit guide. You know, we oh, are yes. our own yeah, spirit I, guide. Yes, I think so. Not, not the only one, but, but certainly there. Uh, that's what I would call our non-3D component. Yes. You know, you know, people talk about dimensions, and they say that there are more than three dimensions plus time. And, of course, even science now is saying there might be six, there might be 12. I don't know what they're saying. But... But here's the thing. Supposing there are six dimensions, if there are six dimensions, we, by definition, are in all six, whether we're aware of it or not. You couldn't not be in one of the dimensions if all the dimensions are real. That means mm-hmm. half of our life is unknown to us, or not known in the same way that our 3D life is known, because it's in dimensions that we're not really perceiving yet. And when we do start perceiving them, our experience of time changes, I think, because I think all those other dimensions are sort of folded into our experience of time. That's another long discussion. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I truly believe that when we are tapping into that part of ourselves that is straddling the realities, if you want, um, the time folds. Um, I've been able to do a, a tremendous amount of work in what seemed like five minutes but turned out to be hours and hours mm-hmm. and I and I wasn't tired that's the other part about doing this kind of work it's so exciting because there is an energizing um, 
part of it that, 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 that just energizes you to the point that you want to hang from the ceiling and eat hot dogs and, <laughs> or, or, or greasy hamburgers. Either one is fine, but, but, but it's, it's, it's an amazing experience. And, and again, it's something that everyone has the capacity to do. It's That's not it. that anybody, nobody waves a magic wand over certain people and, you know, gives them a special gift. It's, it's something we all have the ability to access within ourselves, but it takes work. It is work. Well, it is well, focus. It does. It may take work or it may come, it may come in an almost unexpected form. I think athletes feel that when they're in the zone, and I think artists yeah. feel it when they're creating. Uh, I know that I've talked to dancers, and they say the time is just totally different when they're on the dance floor. And mm-hmm. I think, like most of these things, there's. I, I often say to people, it's easier done than said. It's not easier said than done. It's easier done than said. And we do things that are really kind of magical without quite noticing them. And mm-hmm. when, we do, when we do notice them, then we say, oh, that must have been a coincidence. <laughs> you know, because that's <laughs> what we're, we're told to be hard-headed about these things. But I think it's sometimes harder to learn how to do it than to do it naturally. I know that was my experience with anomalous states at first. Learning it was hard. And then when I got it, I realized, oh, I've been doing this anyway. But, but it's, it becomes a matter of, uh, it becomes a matter of recognizing what was so natural to you that you tend, that you didn't notice, you know. Well, especially when you're in the Monroe Institute or even with the Gateway Program, I would, you know, you're there with the, the the intent of finding these different levels of consciousness and these different states of awareness, so that so that you you've set the, you know, you're in a, a perfect place for it. Not everybody, you know, unfortunately, is able to do that. But but with I, I know people that you know are constantly saying I'm working so hard at meditating. Well, meditating is relaxing and yes, surrendering, yes. and it's not work. So if you're well, working at it, there's a problem. In fact, the trying can be in the way getting in the way of the doing. You know, yeah. I, I sometimes say, "Where's Yoda when we really need him?" You know, there is no try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it's. I think the most important thing when I work with people is to say you're you're a unique individual, you and everything it. is going to be unique unto you. Mm-hmm. And if it works for you, then kudos. You found the you found the the key to the door. Go Here's with the other it. thing. Here's the other thing. Everybody is by definition in connection with their higher self or their call it their non-3D part of themselves, you have to be or you wouldn't be alive. That doesn't mean you listen to it, but it isn't hard to learn to listen to it. And it's a matter of some people call it surrender, and other people don't like that word because it makes them nervous. But I would just say, well, just sink into it. You get an intuition, and you don't know whether it's true or not, but, but somebody says, well, maybe I'm just making this up. And I've learned to say, well, supposing you are just making it up, why are you making that up rather than making up something else? You know, uh-huh. the, the non-3D guidance is always there, but we aren't always listening to it, and we're not always willing to step back and say, well, gee, that's okay. I wonder if that will work. 
you know. <laughs> well, I think the important thing when you're talking, you know, about the guidance, the guys upstairs, all of that stuff, it's it's it really is um, the information and and what you get out of it is is really. Uh, of a of a more spirit for me <clears throat> a more spiritual application of life and understanding because uh, I have noticed they won't give me lottery numbers and I've tried so well, that's, for your, that's probably for your own protection too much money mm-hmm. unearned is not good for you I don't think but that's oh, that's uh, just me yeah. I mean, who knows but I no I, I agree with you I agree I, and I, and. I, Frankly, I believe in starving artist type things because I find that that when I actually have to really turn it on to make things fall together in place, I'm brilliant. If I'm so comfortable that I can sit by the fire and eat bonbons, nothing happens. <laughs> oh, yes, something happens, but not what you're hoping for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Eating the bonbons, you just get larger. But But, you yeah. know, when you said spiritual, I had to stop and think about that because – that's one of those words that's getting it's, it's sort of Hackney. it's sort of getting misleading now. I noticed your thing says spiritually speaking, you know, and, and I'm thinking, well, but spiritually implies there's a difference between it and ordinary life. And I've just been reading about the Egyptians recently, and they had a much more sane definition of life, I think, where all of life is sacred, all of life is normal, all of life is every day at the same time. It's not a contradiction. Mm-hmm. It's all the same. And, and I think that's really the way life really is. And, and when you say spiritual, well, I, then there's yeah. no, some people are going no, to no. back away from that. Well, that's true. But, you know, you can't say religious. I work with the spirit, that aspect of us, that, that for me, that, that goes lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. Hmm. And And so... My the way that I phrased it was, you know, let's talk about the higher, the higher, you know, higher consciously speaking didn't feel as good as spiritually, to be honest with you. Well, I, I know there's not really a good, we need a good new term. You got one? Call it Barbara well, DeLongism. <laughs> well, you know, every time I think of a good term, everybody takes takes it up, and you know, suddenly we have light bearers all over the place, and it's lost its it's lost its flavor. Yeah, and well, it's 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 hackneyed, you know. There you know, generations ago, we would have called it religion, but it's not. And and I think philosophical, philosophical, that might no, do I'm it not, because I'm not actually okay. quarreling with your word spiritual. I'm just saying the the problem is it tends to make people think there's a division between things that I don't really think should be divided. You know, ordinary life and spiritual life are the same thing. It depends on how you go about it. Oh sure, sure. No, I to- I totally agree with you. Um, had to have a title. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not quarreling with your title. I never quarrel with somebody who's going to be my next PR agent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will debate anything. I won't quarrel over anything. Um, I think that that the aspect here, though, of of people trusting what they're getting from themselves is really important. And, yes. you know, this is why, this is why people go to psychics so much. And, and while I have done my term as a psychic, I no longer even bill myself as that um, because it creates codependence. And the reality yes. is we, we all are able to answer all these amazing day-to-day questions for sure. 
and and as far as destiny and life pathway and all of that, those answers are there too. And, and, it, and, and it's a fact, matter. I, I agree with you. It, your life is a matter of working through it all. And yeah. I, I often say life is like problems. I don't mean like obstacles, but it's like a like a crossword puzzle to be filled in. If you have a filled in crossword puzzle, there's nothing to it. You don't you don't even look at it. You know, there's, there's nothing to do. But your life has life presents you with problems, and it presents you always, by definition, in my view, with problems that are particularly concerned with you, because it's as though, and maybe it's, maybe this really is the way it is. I, I don't know, but it's as though before we come into this world, we say, well, I want to work on this and this and this and this, and no, not this one, not this one, but this one and this one, and then by definition, if that's true, any kind of problem that comes to us has to be something that we were willing to work on. If you look at it that way, instead of saying that this was an accident that ruined my life, if instead you say, oh, okay, I've got to deal with this, what a difference. Same situation, and yet your attitude makes it entirely different. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the um, who was it? Uh, the Dalai Lama was once asked who his greatest um, teacher was, and without without even blinking and I said Osama bin Laden and they said why and he they said he forced you out of your country he forced you out of your temple he forced you into exile and 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 the Dalai Lama looked at them and said he taught me patience peace compassion and forgiveness mm-hmm. that's that's a great teacher it's a uh, Victor Frankl who was a concentration camp survivor said that one thing he had learned, no matter what is done to you or what your situation is, you can always choose what attitude you'll take toward it. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, that's, there's a man who learned freedom. Absolutely. I mean, you know, living a lifetime is the next great adventure. It's not the last. It's the, just the next one. And And... If you approach it that way, if you approach it as so, I mean, I put a blog up that, that, you know, we're supposed to embrace our, our challenges because they're there to teach us. And I put a blog up that said, well, if that's the case, then I am going to embrace pollen and allergies, knowing that they are going to give me <laughs> greater insight and wisdom. <laughs> well, you're speaking to a lifelong asthmatic, and that's less funny than you think. It's true. You can learn a well, lot well, that way. Absolutely, I was I was serious, okay. and and it it's it, to me it's okay. This has been a challenge for me, especially this summer, which has been horrible. And yet, I've been inside. I've been doing a lot of writing. I've been doing a lot of things that I might not have done otherwise. So it's given me the opportunity to to do a lot of internal journeying that otherwise I would not have done. So I'm grateful for it. The one thing it does is it stops you from ever becoming a victim. A victim is always mm-hmm. somebody who says, if it weren't for this, I would have been okay, rather than saying, okay, now what is this telling me about where I am and what I should be doing? Oh, yeah. No, like it's, it's, oh, it's, it's such an exciting thing, too, that they are giving themselves signs and symbols every moment of the day. And, and you know, even misquotes, even stumbles, even... Um, I work with a group of people, and, and um, I, I had them describe a rock. And, and, you know, when they were done, I said, you've just told us what you think about yourself. And 
it's true. If you look at what your vocabulary, what you're using to describe things with, it has something to do with how you see yourself. And, and so it's, 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 yes, it's, it's a constant, you can't sit back and, and constantly say, well, what did I mean by that? But, but there are things that do crop up that are worth focusing on and looking into more deeply. Well, and, and go ahead. No, I didn't think you were finished. I'm never were finished, you? Frank. Just jump in when I take a breath. <laughs> oh, my. So, um, let's talk about Awakening from the 3D World. What do you think? Yes. I think this book, um, this book especially is very relevant today. I At least... A lot of people I know have have experienced losses in their lives, and uh, you know how we enter the next life, how we enter the next phase, is is really important. And everyone has their own conceptions of what the other side, for want of a better word, is like. And yes, oh, go ahead. And when and when you were talking to Rita about it, it brought so much more clarity to to my philosophy um you you must have been getting amazing responses to this book well i have and i'm glad to hear you say that you know i don't know how our society is it's so split up there's no center to our civilization anymore religions tell us one thing and materialists tell us another thing and the hard-headed scientists tell us a third thing And, and you know everybody's got opinions Now, fortunately, we're getting all this near-death experience information in, and it's bringing forth a whole new channel of people going, wait a minute, death is not the end, but it's not necessarily as simple as people have said, and it's not necessarily pearly gates and, you know, all of that. Well, in Rita's case, she didn't do a near-death experience. She went all the way, and she is dead. And then she, Mm -hmm. here's, here's the, in fact, it looks suspicious to me today, the truth. Here's Rita and I spending eight years together, two of them in intense work with the guys upstairs week by week. And she has all of these questions, and I give her the best answers that come to me, and, you know, we deal with it, and, we, and it really did change our lives. But then she comes back to me from the other side in, in, in you know, ILC, and she is uniquely someone who knows what the questions are because she had them. She knows me because we had an intellectual and an, intel- and an emotional link that went on for several years specifically concerning these kinds of subjects. And she, as a teacher, she knows how to put it out. That's what I think the quality of that volume is. That's why it's so good, if I do say so myself, because <laughs> Rita is the one, I mean, I'm basically acting as a secretary. Not, not exactly. I'm mean, acting as a secretary and asking her stuff back and forth. But you saw... Rita says, well, you know, when you die, first thing that happens is you lose access to your senses, of course. So if you are used to uh, experiencing the world only through your senses, you're in trouble because now you don't know where you are. If you're used to (coughs) experiencing the world through intuition, you still have a, a link. But in any case, once you've lost experience with your senses, now you are thrown back on your own memories and your own life, and you go into that judgment phase that the NDEers talk about. 
And for a while it can be pretty depressing because you see what you did to others and what you did for and, and with others, and it's not always cheerful. You know, I mean, you wind up with a lot of regrets. At the same time, you, you realize, my God, I experienced all this and I expanded so far to so many people, and my influence touched so many people. I had no idea, and all of that, you know, becomes a people sort of have to then readjust their idea of who they are. But then, after a little bit, whenever the whenever the little bit ends, when they have readjusted, they realize, wait a minute, I'm more than just the me that I have experienced in the 3D world, and then you go into what some people call past lives. We don't quite think of it that way anymore, but call them past lives. And and you realize, holy mackerel, I have another past life over here, and in that life I connected with all these people, and I connected with all, have all these descendants and I have all these ancestors. And there's another life over here. Ultimately you realize, that at least this is what we get anyway, you realize basically... It's like the religions and the philosophies have been saying for decades or for centuries, we're all one thing. We're all part of one thing. And it's hard for people to get that if they're thinking about, I, Frank DeMarco, am a unit, an individual. But if you realize that, oh, I, Frank DeMarco, was formed of various strands, each of which had their own lives, and, you know, I may become a strand in somebody else's life, that's another animal entirely. And then when you realize we're all one thing, you realize all the things that people have said about we're all one thing were not just, oh, pious wishes or, you know, wouldn't it be nice if and all that, but they're trying to describe something that in 3D terms is really hard to get. And so mm-hmm. people have told us that repeatedly, but unless you have the experience, it's hard to really, you know, experience it that way. So that's what I think is the exciting part of the book. Here's an experience of somebody saying, here's, here's more or less how it goes through, you know, and then at the end of it, then, then you're in another place. And, of course, Rita always had good illustrations. I love the one about the sliding board. Do you remember that one? Yes, the slide. She said a little child will use a sliding board, and it's wonderful because they can pretend to be out of control, uh, even, though, even though they know it's safe. But if they get a little scared, they might grab the sides of the sliding board and until they let go of the side of the slide, you know, until they let go, they're not going anywhere. And she says it's the same thing when you go on the other side or when, when these psychic processes happen. If you get scared and you stop, okay, you stop. But you can't stop forever, and at some point you let go and you continue the slide. I loved that. I mean, it's, 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 so, it's, a, it's such a nice visual, you won't forget that. Oh, yeah, and everybody can hold on to that one. I know that um, <clears throat> I have a friend who... who keeps it's hard for some people to understand that when you do pass away um that you no longer have your body and and she she keeps trying to um visualize herself in a body on the other side and you know I keep explaining that don't you leave your body here your 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 energy moves forward that which is really you. Yes, yeah. Well, there, there. It sounds like is the usual problem of not of her not realizing the difference between three D and non three D. So in mm-hmm. the three dimensional world, everything is separate, and we feel separate. And in the non three D world, it isn't separate, and we realize we weren't separate. We never were separate. 
But as long as you're thinking, well, I am my body, well, your body just died, so you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, well, you know, after we're both gone, maybe we'll compare notes and see, you know, who was right and who was wrong. I know uh, my late husband did not believe in moving on to other lives. I, I did. And um, I said to him, finally, you know, this debate can go on forever. However, when one of us goes, you can come back and tell the other one who was right. Mm-hmm. And, and since I haven't heard from him, I assume I'm right. Well, you haven't heard from him because he's your husband, and he's certainly not going to go back and say you were right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I won. Well, I won. <laughs> I kind of think it's unfortunate that so many people do, they feel like if they believe, they feel like all of this is too good to be true. And mm-hmm. and so they don't dare to believe it. And it's sad, but ultimately they'll get it. Well, you know, you present a completely different, for want of a better word, philosophy of what happens when we cross over. And, you know, I can, I, it certainly resonates to me so, so that, you know, it makes great sense to me. And, you you know, when, when people have a religious um, thought of what is going to happen when they die and, and then what happens to people who are religiously oriented and are told that there's going to be purgatory, there's going to be judgment and there's going to be punishment. What happens to those people when they pass over? Well, I think it's important to remember that those people also are here for a reason and they are also connected to their non-physical, their non-3D self. When Uh they die and they get through all the business of judging themselves and they sort of awaken a little more to what they really are, one of the things that they awaken to is the 3D that kind of knows better than their than their 3D opinions. So it isn't like they're stuck forever. And besides, oh. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no I, I don't think it's even a matter of stuck. It's a matter of if you are so firmly indoctrinated into a thought, do you carry that thought past death? Yes, you do, but then you wind up with the question of which you. The 3D you continues with its opinions, including its political opinions, I assume, and maybe they're Chicago Cubs fans and they remain <laughs> Chicago Cubs fans. But but they are that's not the you that they realize they are. That's only a part of the overall you, the other part of which is the non-3D component, which was not uh, limited by... 3D opinions, 3D experiences, 3D environments. So they may very well say, oh, this was my life as a Catholic, but that's only one life and I've been other things as well, you see. Or or maybe they, this was my life as a scientific materialist atheist. But now I realize, you know, now that uh, George, my higher self, is reminding me, there's more things than this. I don't think that it's I don't think that anybody's opinion is a detour, but I also don't think it's a prison. So, you know, just because you and I are firmly believing something today doesn't mean that ten minutes after we die we'll still believe it. 
we may go, oh, well, yeah, I can see why we thought that, but actually <laughs> from here it looks a little different. You know, I so think we I I think it, 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 I, I think it was Rita who oh, said, go ahead. Go ahead. I think it was Rita who said that um, at first you're into judgment and you're really condemning yourself, and after a while you learn to say, well, that's just the kind of thing that happens in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't doesn't our perception really create our reality to a great deal? Well, again, come back to the same question, which you, you know, yes, I agree it does, but when we are no longer constricted with 3D, and, and let me talk about that for a minute, uh, the okay. talk about those constrictions, but when we're, when we're no longer bound by those constrictions, suddenly who we are is not the same definition, so you wouldn't expect anything to be necessarily the same. It may be, but it, chances are it won't be. You know, when we first asked the guys about the difference between 3D and non-3D, they said that 3D is a very special case that was created out of the non-3D in order to be able to accomplish certain things. One of those things, and, and basically they all amount to a sense of constriction. We're constricted in a body, and mostly we're constricted in a moment of time that endlessly moves on, and we can't slow it down for a half second, and we're carried by it. And the present moment is always the only important moment, no matter what we you – might, you, might, you might have daydreams backwards and you might have daydreams forwards, but your body is always right in that moment. And I tell people, if you doubt that, take a match, strike the match, put it under your palm, and imagine you're in some other time. See how well that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not see, likely. Because of that constriction, we never see our lives while we're in 3D. We never see our lives in perspective. It's always skewed. I mean, here I am at the end of a long lifetime. This is this is where I am. It's hard for me even to remember when I was 10 years old, and and what I felt when I was five years old, you know, or what was important to me when I was 25 years old. They're there, and I can sort of remember them. But that, but I'm not there physically. I'm there mentally. Big difference. Well, yeah. in the non-3D, you don't have that. There is no such constriction. There is no such moving moment that grabs you and carries you along. So everything is different. You you see the entire life in perspective. You see everything. Uh, you you tend to see the relations more and the constrictions less. You you know. So I think I think for all of those reasons, our opinions. It isn't so much that our opinions change. But the context is so changed that we see everything a little differently, maybe a lot differently. For some people, I'm sure it's going to be a big relief to realize that they're not, that they didn't end. Yeah. Well, that's the big one, yeah. What What about... That's, that's what people are scared of, yeah. Yeah, what I'm about sorry. personality and sense of humor and stuff like that? Does that carry over or is that kind of shuffled aside? Uh, no, I, I think it, it's part of what they... Okay, what they said is we bring a gift when we go to the other side, and the gift is what we have made ourselves by a lifetime's worth of choosing. So that, for instance, if I have a life and I live 70 years, and throughout that life I consistently, whenever there's a choice, choose love, or I consistently choose me first, everybody else a long way second, or I go sometimes one way, sometimes the other way, those are going to be three very different states that you end up in, okay? And what mm-hmm. you have chosen and what you've made yourself during your lifetime is the gift that you bring on the other side. 
Well, the, what you bring is your personality, your sense of humor, the things you learned, the things you did, the artistic creations you made, your children, in a sense, because they, they live in you as well. All of mm-hmm. that is still there. You're still you, but you're not only you. And that's hard for people to realize when, because, you know, we talk about all these things. I mean, I'm doing, I can hear it now even as I'm saying it. It all gets sort of mangled because we're putting it into 3D terms, but it's a non-3D reality. So, so if I say, yes, you survive on the other side, that's true. But in a non-3D sense, it, it looks a little different than it does in a 3D sense because in a non-3D sense, it's going, yes, you survive on this side as a part of the larger you that you always were, which includes what people call past lives and all of their extensions and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So in other words, in other words, Barbara does not go over only as Barbara, although she does, but then she's also Barbara and all the things that Barbara is that Barbara doesn't know. Even if you did know, I mean, it wouldn't make a difference. All of your extensions, all of your other lives, all the other parts of yourself, you're now a part of that and an integral part, not a, it's not like you're the low man on the totem pole. You, you know, you're part of the body. The equivalent so would each, be... You know, the, so, so each time we come back, we have another level of awareness, wisdom, knowledge available to us if we so well, choose. Let's, let's say that each time we come back, we're a different bundle. Uh, the, the, everything that's rosemary may not come back in another particular let's call it let's say if she comes back as may okay or Maisie or something Maisie yeah. may have part of rosemary she may have part of george she may have part of samantha and all together you see they may all be different strands that, that form her so and another part of you may be on, with someone else and it isn't like you have then been split up because you still are the same as you always were but at the same time see again this 3d logic is difficult you mm-hmm. you are the same, and at the same time, you're in different places. Same way, both both ways. This, I think, is one reason why we have so many problems with religious and philosophical beliefs, because they're trying to, to make sense of something in 3D terms that really is not in 3D terms. You know, it's, it's in, if you think, if you take the world for granted, if you take time for granted, if you take separation for granted, then... When somebody comes back from a near-death experience and says, well, I was part of everything that is, and there was no time in the sense that we have it, and I can't explain it to you because there are no words for it, it doesn't make any sense in 3D terms. I mean, the people who have made sense of it have done a good job, but it's very, very hard. Not because the experience wasn't real and obvious, but because the experience was, well, I'll give you a small example, and then I'll stop, and that is uh, everybody talks about the past life review. What Rita says is that's not a sequential process. It's not even something everybody has to go through. But it's all of a sudden, boom, it's all there, and you get the sense of it. But when we come back into 3D and try and describe it, all the words and all the grammar makes it sound like this, then this, then this, then this. You see, no matter how carefully the NDE is describing things, the listener is hearing it in 3D terms. It makes it very difficult. Yeah, I would I would think so. So so we are on a journey of evolution of sorts. 
Seems like it. I'm here for the chocolate. Um, I don't know about you. <laughs> Choc- <laughs> chocolate's good. I'll stick. I'll, I'll definitely sign on for that one. Um, so, what is the purpose of a of a three D lifetime? Well, okay. I'm glad I didn't make that clear. Um, only in three D can you take things that are separate and that are different in nature, put them together, have them live together in the same personality for however many years it is, and then when they're when that end of that life. You have now created something new in the non-3D. I should have made that clear. When Rosemary dies, Rosemary's mind, her soul, is on the other side as a unit. Uh, we, Rita and I were somewhat surprised at first when the guys used to say that they think of our minds as habit systems. And we sort of didn't quite know what they meant by that. But your mind, my mind, anybody's mind, is the result of a lifetime's worth of all these various different strands living together. So, you know, I think people who are schizophrenics may be people who have too weak a bond holding all the strands together. It isn't like they're the only ones that have more than one uh, part of themselves, but that they can't hold it together. And I think the rest of us, the ones that we laughingly call normal, we have different moods, and in those different moods, maybe a different strand is taking charge than another one. You know, if you get really mad sometimes, you say, I don't know what came over me. I was standing beside myself, you know. (laughs) All of those things are, are, they work on the assumption that we're a unit. And it appears that we're not exactly as unitary as we think we are. But in the non-3D, they form us to become a mind working together that functions as a unit so that after our life is over, on the other side, now they've got another mind there that has unique qualities and unique characteristics. Got you. A, a, a good example might be, I once read a woman who had multiple personalities, and in the time we spent, seven of them came out. Mm-hmm. That must have been disconcerting for you. It was. I, I really had to find the one with the checkbook to end the whole session with to make sure she could write the check. Um <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know you're going to pay for that in a future life, that, that joke. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually, I said, look, next time, you know, you come, this isn't fair. There were seven of you in an hour. Um, just one of you should come and have the reading. And, and you know, because I, would, I started out with one, and I, suddenly I felt a shift. And I looked up, and I said, it's so funny. These cards don't feel like you anymore. And the person said, well, they're not me. They're hers. And, you know, it went on for an hour. And wow. it was, it was, it was really cool. <laughs> how did it work out? Did it work out to help her? Well, after, after we were all, after we were all done, I looked at her and she smiled and she said, they all came, didn't they? And I said, yes, they did. And next time they each have to book their own reading. And (laughs) she, she thought that was funny. And no, she, she, she knew they were there. She was aware of them. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they were aware that they were all there, but they weren't really aware so much of, of, how much of the life they had to share and stuff. It was a fascinating lady. Um, you know, uh, it, it was, it was, I, 
asked the owner of the store, I said, don't book her again, huh? <laughs> but but you may have helped her quite a bit just by acknowledging them and, and accepting their presence. Oh, yeah, it was – it it was it was very interesting and when you talk about threads of past lives some of her personalities were not of this time frame mhm some of them may not have been of earth because I, quite possibly i didn't make a point of it but one of the things that they told us was the world is the, the, the non 3d is one thing the 3d is another thing but the 3d doesn't just mean the earth and just doesn't mean the solar system it means everything that's in three dimensions, which means the entire universe. So there's no reason from their point of view why somebody can't have one strand that's an ET and another strand that's a uh, Texan. I may be saying the same thing twice, come to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> possibly. Well, wait a minute. If, if everything is energy, everything has a... And consciousness awareness, I don't know what your term is, but everything has an awareness in the 3D world. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that then trees have a non-3D and a 3D existence Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. They say every single thing you can think of, radioactive waste, synthetic fibers, you name it, everything has consciousness. But everything's consciousness is different. And and they even talked about that at some extent. Now, this wasn't something I got from Rita, but this is back when, when she and I were talking. And they said, for instance, rocks have no external freedom at all. They can't do anything. You know, you can hit them with a hammer. They can't hit you back. But mm-hmm. no external freedom means 100% internal freedom, whereas a plant has more freedom because it can move its roots around, but it has more responsibilities so that it's got to find uh, – minerals and things, and an animal has more and and a human have more, the more external freedom you have, the more of yourself you have to pay attention to, the less internal freedom. And they also said trees, rocks, stones, anything, they all have consciousness, but it's a different kind of consciousness. Let's go to another level. They, They talk a lot about as above, so below, and they'll change scales on us. And they'll say everything in your body Every cell and every organ at a different level is conscious. But a liver, or, or I don't know, pick, pick some, whatever the part of the body is that processes sugars, it's highly yeah. conscious and it's highly good at doing that. They said it doesn't read the New York Times. It doesn't discuss politics and sports. What it knows is sugars, but it knows sugars. Okay? And they're, so they're saying, you know, every... Uh, level of consciousness has its own particular quality, but everything is conscious because everything is alive. There's nothing in the 3D universe that's dead because it's all made out of, guess what, consciousness. Okay. Interesting, because I, <clears throat> I work with crystals a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- and and it, it it is amazing how a an apparent uh, dormant object can have an energy, a consciousness, a feeling that 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 it enables you to to feel or 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 to utilize that energy in it in a different way. That's right. So if you so, look at it slightly differently, and you say this crystal has no external freedom which means it yeah. has 100% internal freedom, suddenly it makes more sense. 
And so when I when I pick up a piece of quartzite or something or, or you know, anything, and I put it against my palm chakra, I can relate to that crystal. It isn't like I'm talking sports to it. Not that I would talk sports to anybody. But, you know, <laughs> you, you, it isn't ideas. It isn't even emotions. But there is something passed through. Anybody who heals using crystals knows the crystal can and will, if you don't stop it, magnify your ability to help. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of stones that I thought were ugly. I kind of want to go back and apologize to them. You know, that's, I mean, that sounds silly, but it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad yeah. idea. That's a, well, no, there aren't that many. I mean, I, but, but, you know, there are a couple that I have said, you know, oh, goodness. You know what they're going to do? They're going to say, you want to see our opinion of you. Then what are you going to (laughs) do? Quite possibly. (laughs) No, that's, that's, what about, what about something like water that has, that has different um, properties? It can be solid, it can be gas, it can be um, liquid. Mm-hmm. Water is, is probably the, the most versatile of anything on Earth, as far as I can see. You know it carries well, emotion. Oh, yeah. You know that it, well, occult tradition anyway, I don't have any reason to disbelieve it, I'm just, I just don't know firsthand, says that traveling over water breaks up your vibrations, so that if you were being stalked, you, you know, you would lose, they would lose the trail. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, I don't, I don't know. There are many things that are said in the world, and until I experience them, how do I know? Well, it's true about dogs being able to follow tracks, and they can't follow it through water, so that would make sense. It makes sense that way, but I'm thinking more in terms of uh, spirits or, or um, um, what, you, what am I thinking of? Not, ver- not vampires, werewolves. So there's, there's something that supposedly stalks human souls. Whatever it is, it, it supposedly <laughs> can't go across water. Oh, okay. That's but, interesting. Again, this, this is hearsay to me. This is not something I know about. And in my old age, I've learned to try and hold myself to what I know. Which makes <laughs> a very short conversation. <laughs> not so much. So what about um, people who can see spirits or ghosts? What, I mean, I, I don't call them ghosts because ghosts have a bad connotation. Um, but what about people who, who do see etheric visions of people that have passed over is that is that the energy of that person or is it a holographic projection from the energy in the non-3d world sending a message to them is it uh well how would you describe that yeah i'm gonna have to do this um kind of guessing but my guess is that the main reason is something inside your own perceptual uh um, framework has has shifted. When Rita was very old, uh, by that time I was living upstairs in her same house, and and she told me that she was seeing things. And this is in the last year of her life, and she was a little worried about it, but she trusted me enough to tell me that. And I said, well, the next time you see something, give me a call upstairs on the telephone, you know, and I'll come down and see if I can see it too. Well, she called me at 2 in the morning one, one day, which was perfectly fine. I went downstairs, and she's, she's in bed, and she says, well, can you see all of those around the, the outside of the, of the room, you know, the, the periphery of the ceiling? Well, I couldn't see anything, and I looked, and I tried shifting all, you know, changing states and all that, but I really couldn't see anything. 
And this went on for quite a while. I mean, she saw them, oh, I don't know, I think it was more than hours. Okay, so it wasn't just like a fleeting glimpse. And mm-hmm. this this happened more and more as she got a little older. She was not losing it. She was perfectly, you know, she was just as, as uh, together as she had ever been. But her perceptual bounds seemed to have been shifting a little. So now she was experiencing things or perceiving things that previously she couldn't. Mm-hmm. But see, the reason I'm saying this is guesswork is I'm guessing it was a change in Rita. But for all I know, it was a change in X, whatever X is, that made it be able to appear to Rita. The only thing is, I couldn't see anything, so that there was at least some element of subjectivity in it. When I, I think when people experience ghosts or spirits, whatever, I, I don't have any reason to doubt their word. They, they see them. You know that ghosts have been reported to actually be able to touch people. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, Rita, Rita had experienced her husband stroking her arm a couple of years after he died. And many people have, you know, have had that experience. Just because we can't explain what the mechanism is doesn't mean there's any real reason not to believe that it's true. You know, people don't really have a reason to lie about it. In fact, no, no. in fact, they they mostly stay silent because they don't want people thinking they're going crazy. <laughs> no, I do see um, when people have crossed over. I do see. Um, and, and my friend asked me because I, when her father died, I could tell her exactly what I was seeing, and she said, "Oh, that's dad. That's yeah, that's." So I'm wondering if it's, um, if it's, um, timelines overlapping. I'm wondering if it's really a projection from the other side to give you comfort. I'm wondering if it's um, your eyes being open to another frequency of light to things that are actually there. Yeah. It's clear to me now. It's clear to me now that those that that you know. Here's the thing: the non 3D aspect of the world is not somewhere else in some other zip code. It's right here, mm-hmm. and it's right around us. But we can't usually experience it unless either we're in an altered state or something else happens. So if someone is in the other side, as we call it, because you have to call it something and suddenly they're appearing before you, yes, it could be that Barbara's perceptions are such that she can see the other side. Yes, it could be such that the the spirit has made the effort to appear, or it could be both, or it could be something entirely different. The the thing that's important to me is that it happens, not that it not that I know why it happens. Yeah. We're kinda like onions with our with our spirit at the very, very center. And then lifetime after lifetime after lifetime is layer after layer after layer after layer, all there at once, all creating a whole or a totality. That's an interesting analogy. You could make the same analogy in a different way, too, and say, not instead of, but in addition, you could say that the 3D is the center, and then the other dimensions are beyond that. You know, they're the outer layers. Okay. That we can't see yeah. because we're too much in the center, and then there could be more layers even beyond that. That that's an interesting analogy. That might be worth working with. Yeah, onions definitely. Um, yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and of course, we keep creating new levels on the interior to expand and grow larger. Yeah, that, that will be a fun one to play with. Thank you. Uh, um, as long as we, can we put a pizza underneath the onion? Sure. Okay. Only so with pepperoni, too, and extra cheese. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, um, it 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 feels as though um, Rita gave you a great gift, and and did she come back? And is the intuitive is is it's the all one world? Is that going to be additional work with Rita? Yes, that's as far as I know. That'll be the last book with Rita. Although I don't know. I mean, she could start coming in again. I've had a few sessions with her after that book, but mainly it moved to other um, uh, something that at first. Whoever it was, I don't think he's ever been on Earth. I don't think he's ever, he may never have even had a physical life, but I sort of, I had to name him, so I called him Nathaniel. And I got two okay. manuscripts out of, out of Nathaniel. And then there's another manuscript, uh, again, with the guys upstairs. Whether there'll be more with Rita, I don't know. It, it depends. It depends partly on what Rita's up to, I suppose. Yeah, I, I frequently, when people ask about, you know, how did I sign up for all of this? I jokingly say, well, before your spirit got ready to come down here, it it went to the um, <clears throat> it went to the local bar, had a couple of beers, and then went into the house of reincarnation, and they gave it a checklist. And because it had too many beers, it checked all the boxes and said, "Come on, let's let's just get it all over with and do it all at once." And okay, if I if I understand the Barbara DeLong theory, it is. This is the, what happens on the other side when they say, here, hold my beer and watch this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, 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 the, so the recommendation is when you cross over, make sure you're saying to yourself as you're dying, don't have beer first, don't have beer first, don't have beer first, don't have oh, beer first. You what, do you want to be bored? Come on. <laughs> I wouldn't go for beer. But, but, but it just, it, it's, you know, I think, life is such a gift and it's so joyful and and you know to not enjoy it and celebrate it is so sad and and well, i understand you know, i'm so go ahead i keep interrupting you no it's okay um i'm used to it i had a husband that never took a breath um but but i think it's so sad for people to not understand that and to feel victims and to feel unhappy because that's, I don't believe it's the purpose here for us to be unhappy. No, but the guys told us something a long time ago, and Rita had trouble with it at first, because Rita was always politically involved, and she could certainly see all the things that are wrong in the in the country and in the world. And the guys said, all is well. And she said, all is well. And they said, all is always well. And over time, she came to realize what they meant by that, and, and it, did, it did turn out to be a great comfort. Everything that happens on Earth in 3D looks final. It looks awfully unjust. It looks painful and is painful. And, you know, and there's nothing more irritating than somebody telling you, well, your problems are because of your attitude or because, you know, blah, 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 making you the fault, you know, for, for what happens. But, you know, sometimes things happen, and nobody knows why they happen. But you always have your choice of attitude toward it. And if your mm-hmm. attitude becomes life is good, life is good, all is well, to the same thing, your life will change. 
your attitude makes your life. And boy, does that sound happy when I hear myself saying it. And yet, it's oh, the but truth. it's true. It's yeah, the absolute truth. I, and, I have and a, again. Uh... I keep coming back to Viktor Frankl. Here's a guy in a concentration camp, and he realized I still have the ability to choose my attitude toward what happens to me. He didn't mm-hmm. wish the concentration camp away. He didn't wish his suffering away. I mean, he would have liked to, but he couldn't. But what he could do is say, uh, some equivalent, I presume, life is good. Yeah, I, I have a, a friend who just lost her, her husband of 51 years. And, you know, when she got over the initial stuff, I said, she she was so sad. And she said, I'm just, I don't know who I am anymore. And I said, I know, isn't it exciting? You can finally invent yourself. Oh, good and, for you. And I'm sure that surprised her. She looked at me and I said, this is perfect. You've been a couple and you did it well. And you were really fabulous at it. But now you have the opportunity to find out who you really are. And, you know. Did she hear that? Yeah, she looked at me and she said, well, I suppose you're right. And I said, lots of things you didn't do because you were a couple. And now you're not a couple anymore. And now you can, you know, I, I, I. jokingly said inappropriately probably at one point after my late husband died it was a couple months later somebody said how do you feel and I said free I finally well, have control over the thermostat the remote control and when and yeah, how I eat have, but now you have to interrupt yourself and I do <laughs> the thoughts but do that, often that strikes, me, that strikes me as a very honest answer though it isn't like there's not other things involved, but that's one uh, one aspect of it. Anything that happens to us is uh, it always has an upside. You may not oh, yeah. know what it is. Even the yeah, downside may be the upside. You, you don't go talking to people like that at their funeral at people's funerals, but um, you know it 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 is it is true. There is there is a way of looking at everything when when people lose a child to tragedy. Sometimes that tragedy enables them to create works that benefit tons of others. There was a a boy that died of um, hazing in college, and his parents, after after the initial you know horror was over, created foundations in his name that that provides scholarships to kids to go to school that 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 create prosthetics for for people that that don't have you know the limbs i mean they have taken the 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 horror and the sadness of the death of their son and they have created something that is so positive and good and 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 magical in his name well and some kids who have died young have come back uh you know in terms of talking to psychics or whatever and explained what their part of it was and what what the what the benefit of doing that was, and then so, so the you know the information is out there for people. Uh, they just have to stumble across it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really it's it's a process and it's an amazing process. And when you when you started to talk about threads of past lives and how we are are the 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 person that is incarnate in the 3d world now um you know in the physical dimension now is really a combination of 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 filaments of possibly thousands maybe millions of past lives that come 
into a wholeness in this physical reality at this moment in time to to manifest something magical that they they bring forth and it 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 can be amazing it can be I like that word filaments. I've never used the word filaments. I like that one. That's a good way to to look at it. Well, this this is all part of of what well, it's part of awakening from the 3D world. It's also part of it's all one world, which as I say is not out yet. But but where again, Rita's going instead of separating the physical from the spiritual, instead of separating the 3D from the non-3D, instead of separating life and afterlife, I mean, if you're going to do that, why not call it death and before death? You know, I mean, instead <laughs> of doing all those things, see it as one thing. And and that's a readjustment. But as you readjust that way, everything changes. It's 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 truly amazing. It's a wonderful gift for me to have all this stuff come through. Yeah, I, I, I had a friend who was, you know, I was trying to explain some of this to her, and she said, well, where's the love? And I said, we were created in love. I mean... It, it and and I think that's you know it was sort of like she felt that there it it all seemed very cold and I said it's not cold it's warm and fuzzy. <laughs> huh. How does she? Uh, that's interesting to me, perplexing too. Where, how does she think it's cold? Well, she just she just felt that um, you know she wasn't going to get together with her parents that died and she wasn't going to see you know Uncle Floyd who died and oh and, wait, I never said that. No, I know I you didn't. I didn't either. But, but <laughs> okay, she sort of jumped to that conclusion. Yeah, and and you know, I I I was trying to explain to her that 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 the aspect of love is creation itself. That exactly, the love is the is the underlying thing that has no alternative. I mean, no opposite. I know yeah. some people say love or fear, but that's more in terms of expansion or, or contraction. But love is the whole universe. Love is gravity, basically. But you know, if you talk to her again, you might mention that one of the one of the most amazing things is when we drop the limitations of the 3D world. That means you don't have all of that separation that can often make life so lonely. She's not only going to see people that she loved and saw in life. I mean, all of the NDE experiences indicate that we do go through that stage. But then there's so much more out there that she's connected to that she doesn't know because she either doesn't remember or never had any rate of experience. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a huge uh, love fest, as far as I gather. Oh yeah, I I you know I, I it it's hard to explain to somebody something that that you know she has preconceived ideas and and I don't want to change them because they're hers. But but you know offering other alternatives is kind of fun too. Um, <clears throat> I did have a, a client that came to me on a regular basis for years and years and years, and all she wanted me to do was check in on her husband and communicate with him. And and we were great for about ten years, and then then when she came, I said, you know, well I, I guess maybe at eight, I said, you know, he's his consciousness, his awareness, whatever you want to call it, is is working in other areas. It's kind of not going to school, but but expanding and and moving oh, in new directions. Yeah, and, and 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 I got to the point where I said to her, you know, I I know he's there. I can feel his essence, 
but there's not the same consciousness coming through. Does does that make sense? Oh, it does. And the guys have said the same thing. They've said that when you they, sometimes people will talk to or will have contact with a loved one, and in fact, this happened to Rita herself. She told me, and they'll have contact, and it'll be the same, but not quite the same. It'll feel mm-hmm. a little different. And, well, you have to expect that because it isn't the same person. It's the same person plus. And all yeah. that plus is going to make a difference. It's, it's, I know that it's tempting for people to think that the 3D world is the center of existence and this is what counts and everything else is just vague and fuzzy. But it's really much the other way around. The 3D oh, yeah. world is the... I don't know what we are. We may be the comic relief for all I know, but we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> we we are a specialized aspect of the world, and most of our life, as well. No, okay. Now I was going to give you an opinion, and as soon as I started to say it, I realized no, it's just an opinion. I was going to say most of our life takes place in the non three D world, but I don't actually know that. Uh, all I know is that that. This isn't the end, and this isn't even necessarily the main ring. But isn't manifestation into a physical reality, a a 3D reality, where we get the experiences that we grow from? Yes, but what we don't know, what I don't know anyway, is what do we do when we're not in 3D? Because it isn't like they're just sitting around waiting for another shot to come here. That's what I'm saying. It isn't like the 3D is the only game in town. They do things there, but what it is, I don't really know, and neither Rita nor anybody else has really made it. Well, we've been we've been dealing with things that are more immediate here. I haven't mm-hmm. really gotten a, a sense of it. It's clear. Well, we asked the guys once, "What do you do over there?" and they said, "We relate." And we thought, "Oh, okay." Well, that made more sense than it sounded like it made, because they're saying this is. Uh, this is too long a subject. Uh, the Reader's Digest <laughs> version of this is that apparently when we're on the other side, everything we are is a part of a network of everybody else as well, so that the connections are more obvious than the separation. You know, here in here in 3D, the separation is most obvious. There it's the other way around. So Rosemary and Frank are over there as different nodes of information and different different. Well, they're different souls that were created, and now they're back over there, and they're participating in this long, I don't know, call it a conversation or call it a, an interaction, whatever it is. It seems like things go on there that are important, and they have been adding to the mix by creating souls, putting us into 3D, and when we come out, then boom, there's another... There's something new has been added to the non-physical. But what that doesn't tell me is what do they do, what is, what, what's actually going on, and I'm not positive that we in 3D can conceptualize it, you know. Yeah, I'm so, kind of uh, wondering if if our experiences um, give them a greater understanding. It gives them a different set of viewpoints. So okay. y- y- one way to say it would be a greater understanding but another way would be it's a lot of different competing and conflicting and sometimes cooperating viewpoints that just 
it it just adds more texture apparently. But but it's still it's a little frustrating because I don't know what it is they're doing. You know what are they trying to accomplish? But they're trying to accomplish something, and we have been created to help do that. And in the meantime, 3D is, as you say, a marvelous adventure. It's uh, annoying often enough, but you know everything's <laughs> annoying sometimes. Oh yeah. Well, well, it's it's you know when I find myself getting annoyed, it's like I'm losing patience with myself. Why? You know, if I was you know perfect, I wouldn't be here. So. Well, you know, and, there's two ways to look at that. One way would be to say nobody's perfect, and the other way would be to say we're all perfect because we are exactly what we were created to be. And as they've said, we want you to choose and choose and choose and become what you want to become. And they don't seem to particularly care too much which way we choose. They want – it's like they, they say you're, we're like a – what do they say, a flower sometimes? One, one time they called us um, fireworks. You know, they set off fireworks and they want to see what, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very nice because if the whole purpose is to choose and yet you were going to be punished because you chose something different, that wouldn't make any sense. And if the purpose was to choose and the choosing didn't make any difference, that still wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. They're saying, oh, you choose, yeah. yeah, you choose and that cre- you are creators. They've made this absolutely clear. And it, oh, okay, okay. You ready for this one? I'm not sure yeah. this was in the in the book we're discussing, although we haven't discussed it much actually. But no. one of the one of the things they have said is that we are creators, you know, by nature because we have been created out of creators. We are creators. They uh-huh. said even fictional characters have their own life now because they were created by us. They said in the non-physical. Horatio Hornblower is as real as George Washington, in a sense. Now, that is a heck of an interesting thought. But it's, does he have as many strands to pull on? He was created out of somebody. I mean, he was created out of C.S. Forrester. I yeah. don't have a clue. I don't know. I mean, you, 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 common sense tells me a created character can't be the same as a human, but it doesn't tell me what it is. So I, you know, I just, I just throw well, that out there. This is what they said. Well, when you, when you stop to think about it, it's like Charlie Brown. Very um, real, real to people. All, all of us have a, a, a an opinion, a concept, a, a, an experience with Charlie Brown. So, in that sense, Charlie Brown would have a non three D life as Charlie Brown, created by and from the experience of all of the people that loved him. And, and in fact, he there then has an impact, a continuing impact on the culture, yes. Yeah, very true. So it means that if you're an author, you better be really careful what you've created. You might have to pay for that <laughs> now. Well, I, mean, I think of some of the horror books I read as a child, you know, it's kind of like, what were they thinking? Um or where was it coming from? Do you know, it's, it's kind of, it, it's interesting. We can't explain or articulate something that we haven't in some level, way, shape, or form experienced. I think that's right. That's right. So, but of course, you always come back to the same question, which you, you know. Oh, yeah. No, it, 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 it is in your, your, your card catalog inside. It's a part of everything that you are. So that, so that 
um, if you are creating a character, it is made up of pieces of things you have experienced or known in this or other lifetimes. Or things that you've just imagined which still come from what you are. So yes, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to to claim innocence afterwards. You're gonna say, well, that came out of you, pal. So what does that say about you? And then so, I'll say, well, Rosemary made me do it. <laughs> so what is our so so then what is our imagination? Is that sort of the well of experiences that we carry with us? Is that what we well, draw on? Now, that's an interesting way to look at it. I had Let me think about that for a second. I would have said, huh, huh, huh. Well, I wouldn't quite say our experiences, although it's close. I would say it's what we are. Okay, so it's everything that we connect to conceptually. If I imagine something... It isn't like I snag it out of the air at random, although I may snag it out of the air. It may exist on its own for all I know, but mm-hmm. there has to be a connection between me and it where I wouldn't be able to get it. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever, it wouldn't come in, in front of my, my vision. Exactly. So, so if we can imagine something, I, okay, I think what I could fairly say is you can't imagine something that doesn't have some resonance within yourself. That's no, I think I'll stick with that. So yes, if you've imagined it, you're showing us something of yourself. Now it doesn't have to be a part of yourself that you approve of or that you mm-hmm. live, but it's something there because you had a resonance to it. Well, uh, if you if you have a resonance to it at some point in time in one of those filaments or threads you had that experience and and no judgment here whatever whatever was was and it's a part of the totality of you so well but if you had a i don't know supposing it was a science fiction story uh, it might be something that nobody has ever experienced but it, but it's but there was something hmm, that's a, that's worth thinking about something in thread- you responded to it yeah, but but if all of our threads don't necessarily come from this reality or this or the Earth plane, that well, would explain could it. Could be this. This is in the area of speculation. So I keep trying, although I fail. I keep trying not to talk about things I don't know about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't last very long. <laughs> well, well, I like to say I know a little bit about enough. I know a little bit about almost everything, just enough to get in trouble. So, you know, I, 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 I'm not pushing you. I'm just speculating here. It just, um, no, it, I enjoy it, it, to but, me, but I was just going to say, I enjoy it, but you made me think. And of course that's always painful. That's a joke. <laughs> well, you know, there are, I have, I have used this, this radio show, um, to to get to to um, talk to so many amazing people and you know kind of yes publicize their books and and get information out there on that but let people be able to see parts of them that 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 they don't see in regular interviews you know mm-hmm. um, because because you are you are such a rich source of information on so many Thanks. different levels. Some of to, it might even be accurate. Yeah, possibly. 
Um, but but to to um, restrict you to you know questions that everybody else has asked you just gets um, answers that you're used to giving. I'd rather get you into a place where you're you're thinking and giving other answers that that you know. Yep, well, yep, well, yep. you know, and you, well, you and do it's identify that. It's much more fun that way too. It is, <laughs> but but um, I did when I read um, Awakening from the 3D World: How We Enter the Next Life. I found it um, almost inspirational. Oh, good. Because good. because it 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 gives you another look. I mean, it, it, yes, it's it's from Rita's point of view. And it's from your vocabulary and her point of view, but but at the same time, it's it's another way of perceiving the journey that we are now on, have always been on, and will continue till whenever. Um, and and it just it it gives you a feeling that there is it's we don't go to a celestial rest home. We we Unless go to a yeah, but would you stop? I mean, I can't. I well, can't. I, I, I think what happens is some people do go to a celestial rest home, and at some point they're ready to move on again. They get bored and it's okay. Now what's next? I'm not saying yeah. they do, but I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yeah, no, I'm sure they do, and I'm sure there are people that go through pearly gates and talk to Saint Peter too. That, that's but, right. That's right. Because that's what you they're know, expecting. And and there are some that, you know, find the cloud and get the halo and play their harp for a while. But sooner or later they get bored. And so. and and it's a matter of you know, there's there's I think it's almost I, I to me it would be almost a compulsion, a need to go forward, a need for something more. And when that need clicks in then, then you're in process of finding um, and putting together a new form of um, creation to to take part in a physical reality of some sort somewhere. Well, I think so. It's to me, it's again read this analogy of the sliding board. You know, for a while they want things to stop, so they hang on and they do go through the pearly gates, or they do sit on a cloud, or whatever it is they want to do. And then after a while, they, yeah, as you say, they get bored, let go of the sliding board. Well, here we go again. Where they go, that's another story. You know, the one thing that we haven't touched on is kind of like um, when you do make that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, is there is there anything, um, like I'm sure you'd like to meet up with Rita and have a drink or dinner or something. I mean, is there is there that kind of interaction, or is that just for this side? Um, the short answer is I don't know. The slightly longer answer is, well, it still comes down to I know. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. you're not going to be there in bodies, and yeah. if you want to pretend, so to speak, that you have bodies, I'm sure you can. Oh, I yeah. Can't I can't imagine wanting to. It, you know what, Barbara? It comes to the same thing. I have a lack of imagination of what life is like on the other side. Even even the things that I've been told about it by Rita and others, I can get them conceptually, 
but I can't really get a visceral feel for it. So I can't really know. I, I can't even quite imagine. Okay, so I, I go on the other side, and there's Rita, and there's Bob, and there's lots of people, and, of course, you know, my parents, my grandparents, all that. But mm-hmm. but I know that's a – I'm confident that that's a phase of it. But what goes on beyond oh, that, yeah. I really don't know. I, I'll really tell you, the you know, a couple I, – I, in in, in – communicating with people that have passed over and, and I do best when it's immediate. Um, I know one man, the, the only thing that he had to say to his wife was Elvis is really here. And, 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 you know, she looked at me and she said, that's what he had to say. And I said, that's the only thing I'm getting. And she said, I knew it. He wasn't going to go <laughs> looking for that slut he had an affair with. Elvis is there, thank God. But but you know. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I yeah, you know, I have great stories about those kinds of things. But I I think the 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 one thing that I'm going to be curious about and and you know hunt up, given the opportunity, and I imagine. I imagine that we will have it. I want to hunt down some of these guys upstairs that have been laughing at me for years and years and years. Well, I, I'm looking forward to haunting some of my friends here. I've told them, you know, yeah. you wait. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had somebody come in. A, um, I was doing a spirit circle, and, and um, a man came through, and he was so frustrated and and. His sister said, well, what's he frustrated about? And I said, he wanted to scare the bejesus out of somebody, and they wouldn't let him. And uh-huh. and and she said, I'll bet it wasn't she gave a name. I said, that's what he's saying. He's saying that he was all set. He, he just, you know, and he, he promised it wouldn't be bad. He wouldn't rattle chains. He'd just go boo and let it, yeah, but no, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't let him. And you know, I, I found that fascinating. So well, a true. part the of frustration him. continues. That's wonderful. We're already used to frustration in 3D. Now we can get used to it in non-3D. It's wonderful. Well, I would imagine there are aspects of it. You know, I would imagine that it's all one world, but we've got the co- a universe and the cosmos out there. Mm-hmm. And we're still the same person and we're not. But we are and we're not, you know, you have to get used yeah. to that. So the yeah. things, the things that we're used to doing and being, don't just automatically go away. But on the other hand, we also are more than we presently realize that we are. So when you talk about your guys upstairs, for all you know, in fact, my guess would be some of them at least are part of you, and you'll know immediately. Uh, I presume when you go on the other side, so you'll you'll end well, up having I, to punish yourself. Well, not punishing. I just, I just want to, you know, kind of like, what were you thinking? You know. <laughs> yeah, but don't start that. They may have a much longer list on that one. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the next question is obviously, do the guys upstairs have guys upstairs? You, you believe it or not, we asked that question, and I believe one it. of the it 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 stopped them dead because at first they said no because. This is the interface between physical and non-physical, and so the same conditions don't apply. But then they thought about it some more, and they began to suspect that maybe they do and hadn't been self-aware enough about it. And we, mm. 
we left we left that alone. We never did find out. Maybe they never found out. For all I know, but their suspicion suddenly was, yeah, maybe we do, and we hadn't noticed. It was very interesting. I mean, it stopped them dead. There was there was like two minutes of silence while they thought about it. Well, it just it would stand to reason. It, it would except would. except it's not a sure thing because it, apparently the barrier between the three D and the non three D world is unique. They're continually telling us when you want to understand the world as above, so below. But there mm-hmm. are, but this is a this is a distinction between the two things that that is is well, it's just a it's just, well unique. I, I can't go any more than that. Well, if you look at the Earth plane as above, so below, you know, is fitting for this planet. Does that necessarily apply to all other planets and all other dimensions? Well. The way they're using it are things like they were talking about consciousness, you know, and they would say if you want to know what consciousness is like at a different level, as above, so below. Just take where you what you know and change the scale, and, and you can sort of intuit from that part. And we never mm-hmm. actually got to the part about different planets or anything, but um, I would assume there is at least some kind of, of a similarity. It's, it appears like reality is fractal. And it just continues on the same patterns in different mm-hmm. uh, different iterations. That's that's again that's sort of a guess on my part, though. It's yeah, I can. I, no, I I know it's not carved in stone any place. I got it, um, but it is it is one of those questions that you kind of. Uh, well, it's a good question too, and you popped up right away. It took us a long time to get to it, but you should have seen <laughs> how surprised they sounded. I mean. Not sounded, but you know, like I was feeling where they were, and it, and just to feeling that it was almost they were startled. It was funny. Yeah, you, you kind of get the visual of them looking at each other and one saying to the other, "You do it. No, you do it. No, you answer <laughs> it. You know, that's I don't know what to say. Is. Give it, give it to so and so. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't get visuals the way you do. I get knowings, and on the one hand, knowings are more direct. But on the other hand, sometimes I would really like to have a visual so I'd get some kind of clue. But, um, yeah, everybody has their own way of doing it. Oh, oh, geez, yeah. And, and of course, whatever my my um, perception is, is is probably just because I've always looked upon them as the guys upstairs. I, I haven't worshipped them, prayed to them, or been any – I've been totally irreverent, you know. So That's the absolute right thing to do, too. And, in fact, my guys say the same thing. They, they don't – you know what they've said? They've said too much respect or too much reverence is as distancing as contempt. They don't want Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. They, I, I had one man that, that came to his wife in the, in the spirit circle, and she said, is he there? I've been praying to him every night, every night, every night. And the only thing that this spirit said to, for me to tell her was, please don't pray to me. I'm not a saint. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it, it's kind of like, <clears throat> but again, religious backgrounds are going to approach this in a different way than 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 people who have you know different. It's 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 how you perceive it. They must, and, have, and they I, must have had a good marriage for her to be praying to him rather than cursing him. No, she wanted to know where the key to the safety deposit box was. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> Just tell me where it is, please, please, please. Turned out she buried it with him. It was in his favorite suit. Um, oh no! Yeah. Oh, 
Well, she could still yeah. get in the box, but that's that's funny. Yeah, no, yeah, she, yeah, it it would just took a lot more effort to get into it, but our time is 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 actually up here. Um, I'm sorry I didn't give you a break. Uh, um, I, well, I didn't need a break, and I'm used to people not giving me a break, so to speak. I did want to mention <laughs> that if people want to buy the book, they should go to Amazon. It's the easiest way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also it. your your website. Yes, uh, thank you. It's www.ofmyownknowledge, all one word, dot com. Mm-hmm. And there's a blog there, and the blog is uh, – I'm really getting some very interesting feedback on that blog. The comments are getting as interesting as the as the blog entries. What I have done over the years is I will talk to somebody overnight, you know, and, or early in the morning. I'll transcribe it, and I put it on the blog as well as other places so that – uh, if people want to get it hot off the press, they can get it that way. That was very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, too. Well, this, this, you know, two hours went by awfully quickly, Rosemary. Barbara, Barbara. What did I say? I said Rosemary? Rosemary, yeah. (laughs) I knew I was going to do that sooner or later. Okay, well, two hours still went by very quickly, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) Must have been a past life. (laughs) Oh, that's another book I'm reading, actually. Well, actually, <clears throat> I have somebody in my group, and I, I constantly call her um, Nancy, and her name is Jane. And, you know, I keep apologizing, and she said, that's okay. My husband called me Nancy, too, and he never knew anybody named Nancy. And I said, so has to be a past life. Well, but, she's, <clears throat> she's projecting it anyway. Absolutely. This has been such a delight. I am going to uh, read a couple more of your books and get you back on. Well, that sounds like fun. Sounds like you're going to make me an old man before my time. <laughs> you can't be old if I'm not old. So, no, and I am older than you. We've already established that. We've established <laughs> <laughs> So we have. Okay. Well, good. Thanks so much, Frank, for being here, and I will get you back on soon. Barbara, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you whenever you want to. Absolutely. Take care now. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for being here. This will be on YouTube and my blog and all over the place um, probably sometime tomorrow. He is an amazing author. Please check him out. His work is spectacular, and you'll gain insight. You'll gain thought-provoking suggestions. You'll you'll think a lot, and... Uh, you'll probably wake up to some more of the magic that you carry within. Been a pleasure, and I will talk to you all again soon. Thanks again. Good night.